This is People Every Day. Coming up, teen star Jojo Siwa opens up about the ups and downs of coming out. I think it's the first time that I've felt so personally happy. Plus, the talks Cheryl Underwood and Sharon Osbourne continue to disagree and what police say caused Tiger Woods' accident. It's April 7th. Hello, my friends. This is People Every Day, and it's me, Janine Rubenstein. It's Wednesday, y'all, and I am surprisingly energized today. You know when you wake up and just feel like you're on it? We always talk about how tired we are, so I figured I'd share when I'm feeling pretty good, too. So why not? Uh, Speaking of someone who's feeling good, later in the show, teenage former dance mom star Jojo Siwa opens up to my colleague Jason Sheeler for this week's cover story all about her decision to come out and be open about her sexuality. She goes into how she's handled the backlash and the outpouring of support from her young fans and their parents and what's next for her. So listen in for that. But for right now, top stories. And we've got some talkers for you. Managing editor of People.com, Charlotte Triggs is with me now to dig into what's out there. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Janine. How's it going? Good, good. So let's talk about what I saw yesterday, which was a bit of a crazy back and forth. um, And that's about the talk. So I saw that Cheryl Underwood broke her silence about co-host Sharon Osbourne's exit from the talk. Right. But this there's this is even contentious. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like they can't agree on anything. I mean, so Cheryl Underwood had been very, you know, she'd been being very discreet about this whole thing while the network worked out the situation with Sharon. And of course, Sharon did depart the show um, with a hefty parachute, of course. Um, yeah. You know, so oh, wait. let's, let's yes. back up because we did cover this on the show, but just so people know, this is over the big Harry and Megan uh, sit down with Oprah and they were covering it on the talk. Pierce Morgan had his whole uh, debacle over in Britain. Sharon's Pierce Morgan's good friend. She defended him and, and Sh- Cheryl Underwood called his comments racist. Sharon Osbourne said, it's not racist. He's my friend. And everything else happened after that, right? Like it's just been a snowball. Yeah. Cause Sharon, unfortunately lashed out at Cheryl in a really inappropriate, uncomfortable way for people to behold. And don't try and cry. Cause if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. You tell me where you have heard him. She might've had a point that she was trying to make that might've been like a little delicate and a little subtle, but it's, um, you know, she just lost it at Cheryl. And that is really the problem that, that sparked her ultimate departure from the talk. So anyway, so Cheryl went ahead and did three episodes of her podcast addressing everything that had gone on. And from her perspective, what she's trying to make clear is that she wasn't, she didn't have some kind of, she wasn't trying to catch Sharon um, off guard. She wasn't trying to like reveal her to be allegedly racist or anything of the sort because Sharon had alleged that Cheryl came prepared with notes and that that was a tipping cue for her that, you know, somehow the producers and Cheryl had been in cahoots against her or something. She said she had notes because she wanted to be very methodical and walk through the discussion. And she says that, you know, Sharon might've taken that as something that it wasn't, but it really was as innocent as whatever. She also says that she wishes that she could have done something differently herself that might have had this not even happened because they were close friends for many years now, for like 10 years. Yeah. They've kind of been the core members of the show and had a, a great friendship and a great partnership. She says she wish she wishes she could unknow the things she now knows about how Sharon really feels. Sharon has countered 
all of this, right? Uh, not all of those points, but she's basically right. said, I have reached out. I have apologized. I have receipts that I've reached out and apologized. And of course, Cheryl said on the podcast, she hasn't heard from Sharon and that Sharon didn't apologize. Yeah, so, I, I actually think probably both people are correct and believe their own version of events to be like black and white. And but there's, but there's text messages though. Like so, so Sharon posted text messages that she had sent that were not responded to, but I'm like, did, did Cheryl change her number and not tell Sharon? Well, like, actually, that's an interesting question. So, okay. So Cheryl says that she never heard from Sharon. Sharon then releases text messages saying, I talked to you in the dressing room and then sent text messages. So the text messages say stuff like, I am deeply saddened by our exchange. I'm here if you want to talk to me. I can understand if you're Cheryl, perhaps being like, pick up the phone and call me and tell me this stuff on the phone, as opposed to sending me a text message saying, I am saddened by this. And if you want to talk, I'm here. You know, both people can be right. Like, you know, people sometimes don't speak the same language, right? Like who knows what the actual truth is. So let's dig a little further into this because Pierce Morgan is at the center of the talk controversy. That's who, of course, Sharon was defending. And he has gone on this tour this past week, basically holding the line, right, in terms of what he had to say about Harry and Meghan. He's got this laundry list of things that he alleges are fact-checkable and incorrect in Meghan's interview. But I think what the public is reacting to is that it's indecent for him to be litigating all of this in an ongoing way over and over and over and that he should just let her, you know, have her feelings and that he can't invalidate them because it's her personal feelings. Yeah. And uh, like you said, over and over, he was on uh, Billy Bush. He talked to Billy Bush. He talked to Tucker Carlson. Um, And one thing that I noticed was him addressing cancel culture. He says, I refuse to be canceled because I can't be canceled. People have tried to cancel me before. It's, It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is that it's like not everybody is the former head of a huge, you know, UK tabloid. He still has plenty of a platform to say things. And it's almost unfortunate that he, you know, has such a right to keep pontificating about um, someone else's mental health. For sure. And in the midst of all of it, Harry and Megan are pushing forward and and doing what they said they were going to do. Uh, They just announced that uh, their Netflix series will be all about Harry's Invictus Games. That's where his heart lies, right? That's that's really what his focus has always been. One of the things that Harry has felt most fulfilled by throughout his career as a working royal has been his role in the military. And the Invictus Games were like one of the most important things that he had launched. And this um, documentary is going to follow the athletes as they train for those games. Um, And Harry is going to appear on camera. I don't think that we're expecting to see Megan in this one, but it's going to be very interesting. It's always kind of exciting because it's like, you know, up until very recently, there wasn't this grand tradition of the royals constantly being in front of the camera, giving interviews. Right. And we've had James Corden. We've had Oprah. We're going to have them, you know, on Netflix with the Invictus. Like this embarrassment of royals. It's like there's more to come, too, because we know that they have you know, a development deal that goes beyond just this one project. So it'll be exciting to see what else there is. Well, they, there's there's no canceling uh, them because they're everywhere. So I'm excited to see what more is coming. Uh, Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jane. All 
All right, guys, now I am joined by senior writer Steve Helling and also a man who knows all about Tiger Woods to talk about Tiger Woods. Uh, We have some updates on that horrific crash that happened a few weeks back. Um, But, uh, you know, there was information that was released, but it wasn't all that much. Right, Steve? Like there we're still trying to figure out a few things. Yeah. We you know, we don't know everything that we would normally know in the case of a horrific accident like this. We do know that Tiger Woods was speeding. We know that this was a 45 mile per hour zone and he was going about 83. Yeah. And so this is all details that came out of this police press conference about the crash in L.A. And they kind of painted this picture of just by happenstance, this happened almost, right? Like he was, somehow he was going really fast and and there was a curve in the road. I think they blamed the road for part of it, the, the curvature of, of not following the curve of the road. And I feel like you don't really hear that as much when you when you have situations this bad. You know, it's really interesting how passive the police have been in this case. Normally, in a case like this, they will say the driver was going too fast. The driver was doing this. This, they almost felt like they were coming up with all sorts of caveats. Well, well, of course the road is curved. So therefore, you know, of course there's an accident. You know, not everybody has been getting into an accident on that road. Now, granted, that stretch of road is known for being treacherous. I mean, other people have gotten in accidents, but, you know, generally speaking, you go to the speed limit, you do what you're supposed to do. And... and you know, you should be okay. Uh, so it was very interesting in this press conference that they actually admitted that, yeah, Tiger actually did break the speed limit at least. And then in the next breath said, but there won't be any charges. Yeah. And I, and I, I saw something that they described that because there was no one there to actually see it. So they're getting all of this from the recording in his car. But because there wasn't an officer who cited him for speeding, there's no way to go back and say he was speeding. Correct. And, you know, Tiger was driving a vehicle that has a little black box in it. They can tell you exactly how fast he was going, when he was going that way. By the time the impact happened, he was still going 75 miles per hour. Yeah. Okay. So how is he doing? I know we have some some exclusive details in this week's issue about his recovery and what's going on there. Well, as you can imagine, his recovery is really difficult. You know, he he really shattered his leg. This isn't just, you know, this isn't like falling down the stairs and you broke your leg. This is, you know, a complete rebuild of his leg, if you will. And that is, you know, obviously for somebody who's an athlete who makes his money and makes his livelihood, you know, being active, you know, it's devastating. So he he is working on it. He has a good attitude most days. I mean, there are days that he gets discouraged, as any of us would. Um, You know, he would love to get back to golf. But, you know, Tiger Woods, above all, you know, whatever you say about Tiger Woods, he's smart. He understands what's what. And he does know that he was really seriously hurt and that he has an uphill battle. If anybody can do it, it's Tiger Woods. But, you know, it's it's really a rough recovery for him. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of um, effort to do anything at this point. If you can imagine what it would be like to have your leg shattered like that, um, you know, it's, it's not a pretty picture. 
So what's the support system looking like for him? Well, you know, he's got his kids, his kid, you know, he's back in Florida now. You know, the accident mm-hmm. happened in, in uh, California, but he's in Florida. He's surrounded. His girlfriend, Erica Herman is there. Uh, he sees his kids not every day, but almost every day. And his ex-wife, Elin Nordegren is actually very, um, she's bending over backwards, making sure that the kids have plenty of time with their dad. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of bad blood between Tiger and Elin at this point. They've really worked out everything and, and they're focused on co-parenting and that's what's going on here. You know, sometimes when you're co-parenting, the kids need to be with one parent more than the other. And right yeah. now this is the time to be with Tiger. And Elin doesn't begrudge that. She drives them there. She makes sure that they're there. Um, you know, and Tiger's really appreciative of that. Wow. Well, just hoping for the best there. Thank you so much, Steve, no for giving problem. us all that insight. No problem. Next up, an in-depth and eye-opening conversation with teen star Jojo Siwa. Stay tuned. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Seventeen-year-old Jojo Siwa first became known for her wildly impressive dance moves, showcased on Lifetime's hit reality show Dance Moms. On it, she was a standout performer for Abby Lee Miller's team of young dancers. That on-screen success and her signature style of neon ensembles and big hair bows launched her into tween and teen superstardom. She found success in everything from her pop music to her popular line of hair bows. And then this year, she gave even more of herself to fans with the revelation that she is a member of the LGBTQI community and identifies as pansexual. She opened up about it all in this week's cover story. For that, People's Deputy West Coast Editor Jason Sheeler sat down with her to get a sense of how she feels about it all and what life is like now. Take a listen to what she had to say about her journey. So I want to start where you came on my radar and a lot of people's radars is is when you came out. You know, never before someone with such a massive young fan base. Yeah you know, come out. I know you're, you're aware of that. So just, I mean, first up, what's, what's one even just like simple thing that has changed since you came out? I think it's the first time that I felt so personally happy. Like my career has always made me super happy. Performing has made me super happy, but for the first time personally, I am like, whoa, happiness. It's so cool. It's so awesome. Uh, another small thing that has changed is I think the people that now come up to me that are like 
one of me. You know what I mean? Like, it's always like the, you're, you, mm, I, we get it. You know what I mean? You know, when you meet a person that's like you, it's, it's really cool. But this, like we used to call that gaydar. Yeah, no, no, it, it's exactly. No, it's still 100% is gaydar. Like you can just, you can tell you get a feeling and then you have this little gaydar connection and you're like, yeah, it's us, baby. Yeah, I mean, no, completely. I mean, before you came out, what was your idea of coming out? I mean, like, had, are there celebrities that you remember coming out? I mean, what was kind of your notion? Everyone that I've ever known to be gay or bi or lesbian or transgender has always just kind of come into my life. And I've known that, you know, but I've never really watched somebody come out. I've heard people's stories before, but I've never really seen it happen. So I didn't really know what it was. But my whole thing with me coming out is like, I knew since I was little, you can ask anyone in my family. No, I never ever would have said like, I am straight. I only like boys. I always just said, you know, like my human is my human. And one day if that happens to be a girl, awesome. And if that happens to be a boy, awesome. Either way, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And I found my human and my human's a girl. And so I was like, all right, now it's time to come out. Let's do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm happier than ever. And so I, it wasn't even a question if I wanted to come out or if I wanted to stay, you know, private with it, stay in the closet with it. I just kind of, it just kind of happened. So it, like, there's like Thursday, January 21st, Friday, January 22nd. Like, you know, it's a whole sequence of events. Like, I've kind of like poured over it. You know, it's like oh, a, yeah. a, a total theories like we're abounding. I mean, like, it was crazy. My friends right. texted me about it. And so, and then the events, then on, to, events. The, all the events, like the series of events, like, you know, from, from, you know, the Pride House and to Born This Way and then like Best Gay Cousin Ever t shirt. And then there's the Instagram Live. And someone said, someone asked you about your label. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You said, you've thought about this. You don't have an answer. And, and you don't have to have an answer. Do you have an answer today? I mean, have you, is you know, there a label? It's the funniest thing. I was literally talking with my girlfriend about this. I think it was last night. It was either last night or the night before that. And I was like, I still don't know what I am. And she was like, you don't have to. I was like, no, I know I don't have to, but I want to. It's like, I want to figure it out. And I have this joke. Her name is Kylie. And so I say that I'm Kai-sexual. Um, but like, I don't know, bisexual, pansexual, queer, lesbian, gay, straight. I always just say gay because it just kind of covers it or queer because I think the key word's cool. I like queer. Technically, I would say that I am pansexual because that's how I have always been my whole life is just like, my human is my human. But you know, I still, I still really don't have a final answer on that. And I don't know if I ever will, you know, it's something that just kind of floats around and I'm living my life and that's just, it's, it is what it is. It is what's happening. The order though of occasions, it's funny that you brought that up. It, I, I wasn't planning on it happening that soon. Like I just, it just kind of happened, the Pride House thing. And I remember when I filmed that TikTok with the Pride House, I was like, I think this is going to out me. And at the time there was like no speculation of it, but I was gay. I, w I have been dating Kylie for the last a couple of weeks is all at that point. And I was like, I think this is going to out me. And I told her that that night and I was like, man, whatever. And then they posted it and everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is Jojo's like, she's coming out. What is this? And I was like, okay, I can either do nothing with it, confirm it or mm, mm, not really do either. And so then I decided to do born this way, which kind of confirmed it kind of did it. And, uh, then the internet ran with that. And then I was like, all right, I have to give an answer, you know, cause it was still a question. And so then my cousin had bought me that shirt and I took that picture and I posted it on my close friend's story like three days before I actually posted it. Uh, 
And then one day I was on FaceTime and I was like, I think I want to post this. And she was like, do it. And I was like, okay, boop. And I'm out. So you told, um, you told Fallon that you knew it was a risk in coming out. What, totally. what, was, what was the risk for you? You know, the risk is the world is a scary place. And there are still a lot of people, you know, who maybe don't accept it or don't fully support it. And that's not okay, but that is okay because there are so many more people who do accept it and who do support it. And, and honestly, I posted that thing. I think that was on the live stream. I was like, whoa, this has so many comments. I'm going to go read them. Should never have done that because I was thinking that all the comments were going to be nice and supportive and they, they weren't. A lot of them were, I'm never buying your merch again. My daughter is never watching you again. This and that and this and that and the other things. And my thing is, is I don't want people like that to watch my videos. I don't want people to buy my merchandise if they aren't going to support not only me, but the LGBTQ community. If you're not going to support that, I'm good. I'm chilling. I don't, you don't, you don't have to wear Jojo Bo. You can, you can wear, uh, you can, but if you do, Jojo Bo's all day long. And there's so many people who do. And the amount of people who just in the last three, almost three months have come up to me and said, like, you have helped me so much, or you have made me want to come out, or you have, you, what, seeing what you did made me so happy. The people who will come up to Kylie and I when we're in public and just be like, you two are the most inspirational, best, cutest, happiest couple ever. And it's, it's really nice to hear that people really are so supportive. I've done a lot of things, and I've never gotten this much support from the world. And I was talking to your mom and, 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 and she, she would let me know that you're very aware that, that your coming out is certainly, it, it's, it's, it's great and it's positive and not everyone has had that experience. Yeah, and you're, exactly. and yet I think you're aware of you know, 39% of LGBT youth, LGBTQ youth have considered suicide in the last year. I mean, I know that you're becoming aware, aware of that. What do you say? I know you addressed this with one word on Twitter, but what do you really say to the moms and dads who would say you're not a good role model anymore? Neither are you. You're not going to love and support everybody. Neither are you. Fair the enough. amount of comments that I've replied to and deleted is mm. absurd. The amount of people who come at me playing that this is not wholesome. The amount of people that come up to me and say, this is not religious. This is not accepted. This is not this. This is not that. And they preach to me. Mm that's also not being a good role model. That was Jojo Siwa, interviewed by Deputy West Coast Editor Jason Sheeler. For more on her, head over to people.com and pick up this week's issue. Now, something to make you smile. Earth Day is approaching, and 18-year-old Jerome Foster is not waiting around for anyone older than him to make change in this world. He's doing it himself. He's already founded, get this, three companies aimed at tackling climate change, and is currently working with the Biden administration for a youth advisory council so all young adults can have a seat at the table. Listen, he has top tips on what everyone can do right now to reduce their global warming footprint. Listen. The biggest impact a person can have is to call a member of Congress. The next thing a person can do that actually has a ground level of, of impact is to continue to, to write about this, write letters to them. I'm telling you, teens like Jerome make me so hopeful about the future. See you tomorrow. <laughs>